Well, good morning, New Hope. Glad that you're here this morning. Thank you for being with us here in person. And if you're online, welcome as well to New Hope Community Church. Thank you for gathering as we meet with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're in the second week of this series called Money Mandates. Change is possible, right? And this whole idea that regardless of the different areas of our lives, we can always bring change or we can always be challenged to look at areas of our life with a new perspective. And so this is this whole idea of this money mandates series is that we look upon our finances, our possessions or whatever it with a different perspective. That's why last Sunday I started out this series talking about how we need to Really, when it comes to our finances, our, our possessions and that, we need to clinch contentment, right? We're really good at clinching on to our, our money or our possessions and that, holding those tight and that. But have we ever thought about, like, what does it look like for us just to be a contented people, right? Because the reality is, the more we think we don't have, the less we really do have. We live a life of discontent. And so this whole series is this whole idea of like bringing us a fresh perspective or challenging us where are we at today when it comes to our areas of finance and possession. And so today I wanted to look at how to handle our finances. And so this week I I Googled, you know, how to handle your finances. And there were 13,100,000 options, books, articles on this. And so what was sort of funny is when I initially typed in how to handle your finances, I accidentally typed in how to handle your fiance. And I was shocked. There were 8,240 books and articles on how to handle your fiance. So, hey, if you're engaged out there or online, or if you're thinking about getting married at some point in your life, you're covered when it comes to how to handle your fiance, right? (laughs) And then once you get married, how to handle your finances. But with 13 million, you know, 100,000 options out there on money, finances, and possessions, I mean, where do we start well, usually where we start is we, we Google what are the top books, right? And New York Times, they had these top books, The Million Air Next Door. I mean, it's an older book, but it's one of the best sellers. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I'll Teach You to Be Rich, A Random Walk Down Wall Street, and then The Total Money Makeover. Now, these books have all kinds of incredible good information about finances, possessions, how to handle those things. They're good. But they miss the mark when it comes to the cinder block foundational understanding of where we need to start when it comes to our finances and our possessions, right? I mean, there's this approach that is important for us to take when it comes to looking at our overall money and our overall possessions. And so let me give this approach to you in four simple, single-syllable words. Are you ready? Are you going to write this down? Because here it is. God owns it all. There it is. God owns it all. This is why in the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 6 in the Bible, the apostle Paul is writing his young mentee, 
Timothy about life and how to manage it, right? And he's talking about money and possessions. And he's saying, hey, ultimately, God is the ultimate banker. He is the owner of everything, all the possessions, right? So he says to him in 1 Timothy 6, 7, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out of this world, right? And so I sort of look at it like this. Like, I don't know if you ever, you know, go to work out at Snap Fitness or Anytime Fitness or whatever, you know, when you go work out at the gym, right, you go use the equipment at the gym. It's not yours. It's not your equipment. When you leave the gym, you leave it there, right? So it's sort of like life. We get birthed into this world. We use the equipment, and then we leave. <laughs> Do you get it? Do you get the picture there of what? Paul is trying to write to Timothy when it comes to, hey, what do we really own? What's really ours? And where do we get this idea, like God owns it all? Well, we get it from his main communication to us, his word, the Bible. In Exodus 19.5, it says, all the earth is mine. God says, all the earth is mine. Okay, I mean, could you elaborate on that a little bit? You know, whatever. Well, he does in other Portions of scripture, Deuteronomy 10, 14, behold to the Lord, your God belong the heaven and the highest heavens, the earth and all that is in it. I love that little addition. Hey, I own the heavens and the highest heavens. So what does that tell us? Ooh, there's more than one heavens, right? And obviously through the scope, we see all these galaxies and everything, but man, ultimately God owns it all, right? Even when it comes to producing wealth, Deuteronomy 8, 18, he says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gave you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. This whole idea that, hey, God has created all things and then out of what he has created, he has given us the ability to create and use all the natural resources to create what we drove in here today, the car. He ultimately, though, owns it all. Psalm 24.1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So ultimately, like God owns us as well. And I love this picture as well that even in our sin, right? Even in being separated from God in our sin, he redeemed us, meaning he bought us back into a relationship with him through his son's death, Jesus, on the cross. So we're sort of like doubly owned. This is why the apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and 20, he says, do you not know that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit? whom you have received from God, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. You see, God created us. Then we sinned. We separated our relationship from him. And in order for him to bring us back into relationship, he had to send his son to die on the cross to pay for our sin penalty 
And so he had to buy us back. And so we're actually doubly his. It reminds me of this story of this little boy who went down to the lake with his boat, his little model boat, and he was floating the boat out onto the lake when the string detached from the boat and the wind blew it away. All day he walked along the shoreline hoping to see the boat, but when it got dark he went home. A couple days later he was walking home from school and he saw his boat in the window of the thrift store. And he ran in there and he said, hey, mister, mister, that's my boat in the window. And he said, well, son, somebody brought it in this morning. And if you want that boat, you're going to have to buy it for $3. And so the little boy ran home, got out his piggy bank and counted out $3. And he, he ran back and he burst through the door. And he said, hey, mister, mister, here's the money. And he puts it down on the counter. And as he's walking out of the door, he's hugging that boat. And he's saying, now you're twice mine. First, I made you, and now I bought you. And this whole picture of ownership, right? Man, God is the ultimate owner of it all. You know, in thinking of this, I uh, thought how it was always interesting when my kids were younger and that, and I, we got in these arguments at times about like, hey, clean your room. This place is a mess in here and this and that and stuff. And sometimes my girls would say, dad, get out of my room. You know, and I'd be like, well, I mean, ultimately, it's not your room. <laughs> I mean, I'm paying the mortgage here. I'm like, you know, it's, it's ultimately not your room, right? Parents, you hear that? Or it's like, hey, hey, give me my phone back. You know, and it's like, well, all right, like who's on the account? You know, I'd like, who's paying for it, right? Or like, it's my toys, or, or I, I love, I, I do love this one. Like, hey, hey, you're using my car. And I'm like, well, honey, actually, uh, <laughs> I bought the car, and I'm paying the insurance, yeah, you know, it's actually our car, it's my car, you know. It's not, you know how we get that mixed up, though? I'm just, it's, it's, it's this idea, like, we get mixed up that, hey, ultimately, we don't own it, right? So I think we get the picture. God owns it all. So because of this, the apostle Paul goes on and teaches young Timothy about this whole idea of God owns it all. What's our approach, perspective to be? And so in 1 Timothy 6, 17, he says, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty then of riches, to put your hope in it. So he talks about, hey, don't be conceited if you're rich. And in reality, if we live in America, which we do, right, 98% of Americans ultimately are rich compared to the rest of the world. I mean, the fact I always say that we can turn on a light and turn on a faucet of water, we are richer than 60% of the world. And, that, and we are supposed to be careful and not be conceited, right, excessively proud of our position, but recognize that ultimately God owns it all. And then Paul is saying, listen, and because of that, you shouldn't put your hope in what you own or what you earn because that can easily go away. We've all been in the room here where we've had something we've loved and it's gone away or we've had much and now we maybe have less than much and more than a little. I mean, you see it all the time in the stock market. Things are up, things are down. 
Right now, I've been following Peloton, where the owner actually is John Foley, not our John Foley, uh, but uh, John Foley, you know, and man, during the pandemic, Peloton, which is the bicycle company, indoor training bicycle company, you buy one for minimal, you know, three, five thousand, nothing but much, you know, right? Uh, to, to like go nowhere. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like going nowhere, you know, and uh, and that. But man, during the pandemic, just sort like went crazy, all that stuff. But everything you read today is like everything's crashing, everything's going down, and like, man, boy, there it was, and uh, there it went, and all that changed. It's fleeting, right? So I like how one author expounded on this. One of the evils of wealth is that people value themselves on account of their wealth or look down with pride and arrogance on their inferiors. They should not suppose that they are any better or any near heaven because they are wealthy. Money and possessions really make no distinction in the great things that pertain to character and salvation. I love that little statement. You know, the great things. What are the great things? The great things in life is our character. Man, I've met plenty of wealthy people, and so have you, that have been just like jerks. You know, <laughs> they're just like jerks and, and that kind of thing. And so, man, it's what is most valuable? It's our character. It's our salvation, our relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's why Paul goes on in the second part of 1 Timothy 6.17 in the second part of the verse, and he says, hey, here's where your hope should be, your perspective should be, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Make sure that your, your focus and your attention, your perspective comes from God, who richly supplies us with all things, and I love that last word, to enjoy. You know, Paul could have just said, who richly supplies us with all things. Boom. But he puts in there to enjoy. God has given us creation. He has provided our daily bread to enjoy it. And if you just think of all that God owns and all that he has provided for us, just think of nature. We love being out on nature. I live on the lake here, man. I look out and people are digging holes in the ice every day, uh, looking for crappies and sunnies or walleyes or whatever. And they're enjoying nature out there. It's incredible. I mean, we have been given 12 different climates, whether you like the desert, 120, or you like seven below this morning when I drove in. I mean, take your preference, right? But we have that choice. We have seven different continents that we can travel to and enjoy and look at. We have 197 million square feet that God has given us on this earth to travel around and enjoy. I mean, you look at food, there's 19 different food groups. I mean, you got cereals, meats, vegetables, fruits, desserts. You know, I don't know if desserts is an actual food group, but in my world, it's a food group, right? You know, I mean, it's amazing. They say that roughly there are two trillion different foods we get to eat. How'd you like that on a menu? Huh? Downtown. I don't know. Two trillion. You know, big book like that, right? What's the number one food in the world? The number one food in the world. That's right. Italian pizza. Italian pizza is the number one food in the world. Hey, I like it, right? I love that. You think of personalities around us, in the room, and that Myers-Briggs says that there's roughly 16 different personalities, you know, 
Ian, Jeff H., or, you know, all these kind of personalities and that. Some people say, man, there's like 4,000 different personalities, up to 4,000 different personalities. You know, and I sort of lean that way. I mean, if you live in my household, I think I'm more like 4,000 different personalities, you know, depending on the day or the week, right? And that, but God's given us all that creation to, to enjoy and that, and he's the one that does that. I mean, if you just look at looks, right? How many different looks do we have in the room? Look around, right? We got a hundred people in the room. We got a hundred different looks. I mean, we have eight billion people on the earth. We all look different. Who does that? I I wasn't in charge of that. God does all that stuff. Whether you realize it or not, this is what they say, uh, scientists or whatever, say that you have at least six doppelgangers in the world. What's a doppelganger? It's a lookalike. In German, it means a double walker, somebody that looks like you. So Norbert, our video and technician guy who oversees all our technology here and videos and, and that kind of stuff, I was on a cruise a couple months ago, and he sent me this picture of my wife uh, on that cruise right there. And she, he's like, hey, do you know where your wife is? I'm like, well, I haven't seen her today. <laughs> well, she's on this cruise. You know, and I'm like, whoa, and that's a crazy, I mean, it looks just like my wife. It's amazing. Matter of fact, I, I uh, had this picture in for this talk today, and, and Norbert said, hey, do you have a better high-resolution picture of your wife? And then I'm like, Norbert, you took that picture. Don't you remember? And he's like, oh, yeah, that's right. You know, totally forgot. But there's other people like you walking around. It's so amazing. Like, you know, I'll walk and, you know, travel or this and that, and you're like, and people will say, oh, you look just like my uncle. And I'm like, look at my smile. Really? I mean, like, just like your uncle. Seriously? I mean, it's just, you know, does he have bells, ballsy? Does he, I mean, it's like, seriously? But it's amazing what God does. You look at entertainments, you know, whatever it is, you know, sports, reading, music, arts, all that. God created all this. We didn't. He gave us the natural resources. He gave us the brain, the creativity, and that. He's given this all to us, to what did Paul say? Enjoy, enjoy. But make sure you recognize you're not the owner ultimately. So if we're not the owners, then what are we? We're the stewards. We're the managers. In Genesis 1.26, it says this. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, over the livestock, and over the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. You know, another translation at the end there, over all the creatures that move along the ground, translates like this, over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And I'm like, I don't like that translation. I mean, it's like creepy, you know? (laughs) I mean, I don't like creepy things creepeth across my bedroom at night. You know, I like that over all the creatures that move along the ground. But we're not called owner in there. We're called to to rule, which in the Hebrew, there's four different words for that. The first one is dominion, meaning, you know, we're to master it. We're to, to master it. Subdue it is another word, meaning we're supposed to control it, control it. Another one is till, meaning we're supposed to work it, work it, right? Develop it. And another one is keep, steward. We're supposed to keep it in control. We're supposed to make sure things are taken care of, right? 
Chuck Swindoll says this, stewardship is managing God's treasure in God's way for God's purposes and always for God's glory. We begin life with our hands wide open and nothing in them. As we mature by the grace of God, he allows certain things to be placed in our possession. None of them under our ownership. Remember, he owns everything in heaven and earth. It's all his. And so this new perspective this morning, this challenge on our perspective this morning, that the foundation of money and possessions is that in our lives as Christ followers, God owns it all. God owns it all. And so why the tux this morning? Well, this tux has been sitting in my closet for many years. I bring it out just for fun stuff or whatever. Honestly, actually, this tux, if you've been around town a long time, this tux was Dr. John Lynch's tux at one point. It was from the 1970 prom at Cambridge High Sandy High School. And that, I don't know how I got it, thrift store, or he gave it, I don't remember, but uh, I've had fun with it over the years. But I'm wearing it today because I'm at the end of nine kids. And my nickname growing up, and even to this day, is Butler. That's when my siblings all, hey, Butler, Butler, you know. And that, and that's because they always used to just, you know, tell me what, to, hey, could you do that? Could you do this? Could you get, hey, give me that, would you? You know, and that, like, oh, you don't want to get beat up? Well, you better get it. You know, I mean, you're at the end of nine kids, right? Four older brothers, uh, all that kind of stuff. But this, this whole idea that uh, reminded me, like when we watch TV shows or watching movies and that, and, and somebody pulls up to this mansion and they go up and they knock on the door, you know, and, and the butler opens the door and they say, oh, are you uh, the owner of the house? And what's their response? No. I'm just the butler. And the butler's position is to actually be steward, manager, over all the different aspects of the household, whether it's the kitchen crew, whether it's the cleaning crew, whether it's lawn maintenance, whatever it is, they are the manager's stewards over the whole property. And so when they're asked, oh, are you the owner of the house? No, I'm the butler. And when it comes to our perspective on our money and our possessions, we are the butler. And because of that, how do we manage what God has given us as far as being generous towards others, allowing people to use our stuff, or even giving it away when necessary, whatever it is, because ultimately... He is the owner, and we are the butler. And so let's leave with that perspective and then live likewise today. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that your word is just awesome, and it's clear on all kinds of areas of our life, and even down to money and possessions and ownership and stewardship, and what does that look like? And I pray that in our hearts and in our actions, we would act appropriately and that you would move and work in us in this area, and that you would bring a fresh perspective, Lord God, and that in that, it would provide us peace 
It would provide us security. It would provide us a fun way of living life on a daily basis, knowing that you will provide whether we release or we receive. Lord God, be glorified in our lives in this area. In Jesus' name, amen.